In this episode, I chat with Stefana Boss, someone who recently came into my life but who left a huge impact. Stefana is co-director of the UK Psychedelic Society and facilitates the Society's Psychedelic Experience Weekends in the Netherlands. I recently attended one of these retreats and it really was a life-changing experience. We discussed how she came to work with plant medicine and work as a psychedelic facilitator, her journey from human rights to psychedelics. And we also dived into the stigma and taboo of psychedelics, which is something I'm really interested in, especially as a doctor working in psychiatry. Stefana is a joy to interview and I'm sure you will love her too, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi Stefana, thank you so much for joining me on the Holistic Healing Project today. Yeah, I'm really happy too. Thanks for inviting me. So the last time I saw you, uh, we were in Amsterdam and we said goodbye to each other at the coach station after what was truly the most transformation I just can't put into words kind of what happened in those five days that we spent together and I felt like obviously as a facilitator you did the most incredible job I was blown away by your ability to hold space for all of all of us while we went on this journey Um, and I didn't really get a chance to find out too much about you you know I'd read your bio previously um, but obviously you know there's so many of us there that that was really the reason why I wanted to ask you to just come on. I've got so many questions and yeah, there's so much I want to know about you as a person, um, you know, aside from psychedelics. But so if I can just start with how did you get into this field? How did you begin doing the work that you do today? Hmm. So I never in my life thought, oh, I want to be a psychedelic facilitator. <laughs> like that thought has never, never crossed my mind. I, from a really, really early age, age on I'd say like pretty much from the moment that I learned about the suffering in the world I just had a very clear insight that of course I was going to help that that was just really um, clear to me and the question was more how and at the time when I was at school I guess I was very influenced by my parents and my teachers and that led me to go towards politics and economics like that's you know and poverty you help people and and my thinking was very very macro at the time like how can I help the most people you know and um, and so that that led me on to a path of studying like politics and economics and human rights stuff and at the time I couldn't understand it but there, there was something kind of in my heart that didn't didn't come fully alive that wasn't really nourished and inspired and I ended up working in a human rights organization a really really amazing organization doing powerful work but it just wasn't hitting some spot and I'll come back to that in a second but basically in the course of my 20s I discovered psychedelics and it was I had really really powerful experiences but at that time it wasn't going to be something that I was going to dedicate my life to. Like I didn't agree with them being illegal and I thought they, they were amazing and they gave me such powerful experiences, but I was still, you know, focusing on the, the, the real problems like the, you know, poverty and destruction of the rainforest. And it wasn't until my mom um, was diagnosed with a very, very rare blood cancer when I was 21 it all happened kind of at the same time, like discovering spirituality and, and a deeper search for meaning had already begun. But then around approximately the same time, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and that was a real big shock and, and, and put me into a deep inquiry of what is health, what is healing, what is illness. 
And at the same time, that that was also the year that I had my first psychedelic experiences. And so that kind of characterized my 20s of just asking these these deeper questions. And then when my mom, so my mom died five years later when I was 26. And that is the biggest event of my life to date and sent me on a very, very deep journey at the time. I knew enough about kind of psychology and the human heart and and mind to know that, whoa, this is a really big thing. And how do I deal with this in a healthy way? Like, what does it mean to process grief and death? And and I was kind of searching for answers and really didn't find any in our society. It was very much just like death. Let's just, you know, let's just put that one to the side and get over it as quickly as possible. And and that sent me onto, you know, different meditation retreats and kind of psycho-spiritual work. And then I had a psychedelic experience that was technically the first psychedelic experience retreat of the kind that we offer now. It's basically the beautiful person, Stephen Reed, who founded the Psychedelic Society. He had this idea to run psychedelic retreats with psilocybin truffles, which at the time people weren't doing at all. I mean, there were some underground groups in Holland, but... When was this? Kind of what what year was this? That was uh, no, um, in February 2016. That was the first psychedelic society retreat? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't okay. a public one. So he, he had the idea for it and he just invited a couple of friends, people he knew, all of whom had psychedelic experience already, just to go to Holland to this venue that he found and test out the format, like how could this work? And he invited me as one of those one of those people as a participant. And you know, it wasn't anything, anything like what you experienced. It wasn't really held. I mean, there was a couple of people who who stayed sober, but beyond that, there wasn't, you know, we were all roaming around like I was by myself in the forest. You know, was, that was the first big psychedelic journey I had since the death of my mother. And also at that point I had never experienced psychedelics in a held context. I'd never experienced psychedelics with music specifically designed for ceremonies. So the first part of that trip, I was just in the forest and I also had very, very deep experiences. But then at one point I came back to the group room and I remember coming into the room and the, the psilocybin for depression playlist was playing. And I just remember standing in the room and the experience of my mom dying, even though like I wasn't depressed, so it wasn't like I was in a bad space, but nonetheless, there was this feeling of on some level, the, the rug being pulled from underneath my feet and being thrown up into space. I don't know, there was just some sense of like my mom and my dad also holding my world. And with my mom dying, I also realized my dad didn't really know what was going on. Like this illusion of the adults know what's going on, like just <laughs> that broke apart. And in that moment, I, that, that I felt like some energetic realignment was happening inside my body. And I just started crying like floods of tears. It was like feeling my place and my mom's place in the cosmic tapestry and there was just a sense of like it's okay and just knowing where we all fit in somehow it made it all okay and it was that moment that I felt that that was like the final piece or like at least a major piece in in the journey of of really landing in this world again and coming back to life and and feeling like I can be here and I'm okay with everything that happened. And so that was the moment that I, for myself, was like, ha, huh, there's really something deeper here to this psychedelic thing. And then on the journey home, I hadn't shared this with Steve or anything, but on the journey home, he uh, he just asked me. He was, Were you already training at that time? Had you done any of the kind of formal trainings? I hadn't done any formal training, but I was already signed up to a process called the Path of Love, which is a seven-day psycho-spiritual 
transformative retreat without psychedelics or anything, just a lot of kind of therapeutic group work. And and when I finished that, I just knew I was like, okay, yeah, follow this. And the, the people who founded the Path of Love, they also run therapy training programs, like to become counselors. I had signed up to this program, but it was starting in April and the psychedelic experience was in in February so but Steve knew I was already a little bit in, interested on this path and then he just said to me he's like you seem to have a, a very kind of natural way of working with these substances and and he's like don't you want to start this program and I remember I remember that moment on the train so clearly where it was like all the alarm bells were going off in my head and it was just like are you crazy like you can't associate yourself with that publicly and you know like what if you do it and then you change your mind and then you can't get a job anymore because, you know, still, even at that time, it was still much more stigmatized than it is now. But I, I don't think I ever had such a clear gut, like, yes, but I just really, I could just really feel it. I was just like such a but heart, like, boom, do you know yes. what I, cause I think I shared with you in the sharing circle on, on the last day that I had a really clear understanding during my experience mm. that this was going to be these plant medicines I was going to be working with them in some way shape or form within psychiatry and I think that's why you know I'm here chatting to you now it's why I'm prepared to actually share with people that I've had this experience I spoke to a few colleagues other doctors and nurses who've also been to the psychedelic retreats or who've had their own experiences messaged me and said are you sure you want to share your experience so publicly because there's still such a stigma and taboo about Mm. around it one nurse even messaged me to say you know you might be struck off or something you know Mm. as a doctor sharing this experience but having had the experience I had and the amazing shift because I I came to it because I'd done lots of things to kind of heal from my own experience which was stage four cancer obviously different to you you were kind of healing from grief but I'd, I'd taken it as far as I could I felt and there was just a little bit more I needed to go a kind of deeper layer I can really really now understand why the studies with stage four cancer patients have been so powerful in terms of kind of enabling you to release that fear of death and you know I've met so many patients that have sadly died but there was this amazing communication between us of them telling me it's all okay I'm still here I just don't think I'd have ever got to that without the help of psilocybin but having said all that yeah I'm still there putting myself out there I'm not sure how this is going to go down <laughs> even when I tried to listen to you and you told your parents and my when I told them I was coming to Amsterdam to go on a psychedelic retreat you know I, I definitely sold it to them in terms of I'm doing some market research because the world of psychiatry is changing and this will probably be part of my future at some point. Um, they were absolutely horrified. And I think my dad worried the whole week I was away. And then he was amazed when I came back and I was obviously glowing and just kind of, yeah, on cloud nine. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Sometimes when, like, obviously I spent a lot of time in the kind of psychedelic community and, and it is, I mean, a lot is changing, but it's also a little bit of a bubble and you can forget how many people are still not on board with that at all? Like how many people are me and it's the propaganda and the the stories that we've been fed over so many decades, like they really stick in the in the cultural mind. And my dad still to this day, I mean he still sometimes says things to me like, So when are you gonna get a real job? You know? <laughs> Just like that, I have a job. Um, but no, not nowadays he's more important. I but. keep sending my dad psychiatric journals and studies, and I gave him Michael Pollan's book. I'm just trying to slowly get him on board. I, the, the more I sell it, you know, the science of it rather mm-hmm. than the spirituality, 
he's slowly getting there. It's going yeah. to take time, though. He's, I mean, he's that generation, you know, 60s, 70s. They've, they've been through it. They've lived it. And they saw the darker side of it, you know, when it wasn't controlled and set and setting wasn't properly kind of established. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of fear still, especially in that generation. Yeah, totally. Coming back to the other thing you said about you know, putting yourself out there, it is a really scary thing because there is a risk about it. You don't know how it's going to go. And at the same time... At the end of the day, there's there's just nothing more fulfilling and enlivening than really standing for your truth. There's nothing else that you're here for on earth than to mm. than to really just be the truth of who you are and and shine that expression into the world. And if nothing's ever going to change, if if it's not for the courage of some people to say that, like, hey, actually, what you're all thinking about it is not really accurate, like that, you know, and. And I mean, you guys, though, as part of the Psychedelic Society, the way you're changing, you know, I know you're part of a bigger movement mm. in terms of, you know, Imperial have got the Psychedelic Research Centre and obviously John Hopkins. In terms of this kind of, you started as an underground movement, really, didn't you? And now it's gained such momentum and you've got your space in London and obviously the retreats in Amsterdam. Um, so, yeah, I think it's incredible what you guys are doing. Thank you. You know, it's also like a, a domino thing because I know from many conversations with Stephen, like the reason he felt empowered to found the Psychedelic Society was because this research was coming out from Imperial College that gave him a sense of he's not just off doing something crazy, like there's something to stand on that says actually this is legit. And so then the science gave us the encouragement to do what we're doing and then what we're doing then inspired other people to do and so so on it goes and it, it's also a beautiful feeling of like everyone's playing their little part yeah it's an exciting time it's an exciting time and at the same time I really find myself in this like straddling position where there's that part of me that really wants to speak up for psychedelics and, and their potential because it is still so stigmatized and then there's also part of me that's like oh, I don't want to jump in on all the hyping because there's almost something because it's so stigmatized and so many people are against it. The tendency of the people who want to advocate for psychedelics can be to swing too far in the other direction. Be like, no, it's super great. It's super great. This is the thing. And I feel like the the movement now is definitely a lot more mature than where it used to be. But there's still a lot of not so constructive hyping, I would say. So... Mm-hmm. If we can dive into, so many of my friends have been asking me about my experience and I haven't really said that much. I think when I came off it, I was on such a high, I did share with some really close friends and then there's, there was a feeling of just these incredible insights and knowings that I'd come to understand during the experience. I almost wanted to keep them sacred and not really share them. So I want to talk about the experience that you guys have created there because it is so special. I'm kind of going to go tentatively in terms of how much I want to share as well. But I think what I was most blown away by was the fact that, you know, I came for the five-day retreat. You do shorter ones and longer ones. But on day three, so even before we had had the ceremony, I remember sitting down with one of the other facilitators and saying, if I go home today, I have had the best retreat ever (laughs) this has been life-changing and in in itself just these three days spending time with you guys the other guests were just amazing and the activities and exercises and workshops that you actually took us through on those three days I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about how psychedelics are just one tool Mm. for healing and meeting yourself and coming back to kind of 
connecting back to who you are because, yeah, I just felt I was so on cloud nine on day three <laughs> and if if I had left I think I you know I'd have gone back into the world something having shifted inside of mm. me so what is it you try and curate what what are you guys doing in those three days before the ceremony and why do you think that's so powerful yeah so there's actually so many amazing ways of of working it's like basic human nature stuff you know just learning how to connect with each other how to connect back to nature and in many ways I would say like the the malaise of our times is this like we're disconnected from ourselves we're disconnected from each other and we're disconnected from from nature and source god the universe whatever you want to you want to call that like that which is much larger than yourself and for me psychedelics are amazing because they show us just that they can take us to the human plane and 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 the emotional suffering like grief that we have uh suppressed pain all sorts of things but they can also really connect us to this like the transcendental you know the famous ego dissolution that everyone talks about they really have the capacity to do both like the the, the horizontal the raw human emotions and the vertical more like the the divinity and in many ways what we're trying to do with the retreats is to pick up on a lot of those aspects and and weave them in like you know we did some nature connection work we did group exercises we do kind of embodiment practices like all these different elements that help us incorporate those lessons that also come from psychedelics and in in a way that we can tangibly bring back into our lives because you can't really have you know psychedelic experiences all the time and and also that's not the point like to me it's about how can psychedelics help us come back to ourselves and live a more fulfilled life? And what I found is that by just having the psychedelic experience, it does do something, even just having the psychedelic experience. And it is huge. And you see that in the studies. But you also see this two-sided thing where like the studies are, are being really hailed because you see that even six months afterwards or like three months afterwards, there's still, you know, people still not falling back into depression. But that's like, three months, six months, and then and then it does kick back in. And compared to antidepressants that you have to take all the time and that only work 50% of the time anyway, it's a massive improvement. But when you look at it from we want sustainable like healing and happiness and flourishment, even beyond three months, we want it for the rest of our lives, then then what are the tools that can help us really ground that? So that's it's also about like the more you can get out of it, of the psychedelic experience, is how much you're able to open and to surrender like how safe do you feel and if you're doing like a group ceremony then it's really important to create that field be- between the group and and that that level of trust but also all those exercises even you know not having the phones just taking all that distraction out to allow you I love not having my phone it was great <laughs> so <laughs> five days without my phone <laughs> yeah like that that alone you know that alone yeah. will, will really help you to connect to yourself and so in in many ways I think of the time before it's this combination of like it all helps the um, the benefits of the psychedelic experience like I think of it as almost like we're preparing the the soil you know so that something can really um root and and flourish and and likewise the exercise after it's helped with the integration process but even it's like even without the psychedelics the it's like their preparation for and they help with the integration of the experience but they are super valuable and meaningful in and of themselves and sometimes I think of of 
the fact that we're like riding the wave of the hype of psychedelics and I deeply like deeply 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 believe in their power like they have given me so much so much healing so it's not like like when I say Trojan horse that's not really accurate because because like I do believe in the horse itself but there's also a sense of they're really sexy right now and they're and and people come because they've heard about psychedelics and people wouldn't come if I ran a retreat or many of the people wouldn't come if I just ran a retreat with all of those other activities because people haven't, yeah, like they haven't experienced or heard about the value of those things and so much therapy nowadays. I actually be curious what you think about this as a psychiatrist, but like I find so many participants that come and, you know, they've had depression and anxiety issues and they say like, oh, I've tried therapy, I've tried meds and hasn't really worked. And, and they write off therapy because they say like, I've tried it and didn't really work. But my experience is like, not all therapies made equal, like there's such a vast range. And um, yeah, and I've had such deep experiences in therapy that is therapy that's more focused on the body and really feeling and kind of coming out of the story and the analyzing. And also in like group therapeutic contra- context, and how can we relate more authentically. And yeah, I, d- I just feel like there's so much amazing personal growth work. It's like this frustration where we're so stuck and so many people are suffering so much psychologically in their body, like somatically. The mainstream society and psychiatry is in a bit of a state of like where no one really knows what to do and like how can we how can we help and being a bit at loss and now psychedelics come in as this like wow they can really they can change something and they can but it's also like actually there's a lot of really simple basic stuff like it's not that difficult really you know we just we need contact we need time with ourselves we need nature like it's just we've become so disconnected so um yeah I could say I could say a lot more but (laughs) But I I kind of think I did a bit of a almost case study kind of a bit of a guinea pig trial on this because I came to your retreat in October Mm. and then I have just run my first yoga retreat and off the back of the experience I had with you and the exercises and all the group work and the singing and the dancing Mm -hmm. and the body work I just realized that just a yoga retreat with good food wasn't going to cut it anymore Mm. And the whole idea, it was called the reconnection. It was about bringing people back to themselves. So I totally changed that itinerary, added in a load of workshops. We had workshops every day. And I actually pinched from you guys a lot of the exercises just because they had been so powerful for me. Mm. And the feedback from the guests at the end of the retreat, it was all about the workshops and all about the sharing circles. And even without psychedelics, it's getting people to kind of go through this process and that in itself is really really powerful and then Mm. if on top of that you can um if people are open to it and they feel cooled and you know for whatever reason the plant medicine is right for them I think that can just take them on that you know that slightly deeper journey as well um so yeah there's there's layers and layers and layers isn't there but I think that you said it's that getting together in a group and really letting yourself be seen Mm -hmm. um and be vulnerable which it was just amazing the week I spent with you just watching everyone kind of their masks coming Mm. off you know really being seen and just being human yeah it was beautiful yeah totally it's like singing and dancing which have been like integral parts of human all human cultures across Mm. the globe for you know the whole of humanity and 
And nowadays, it's like it's such a trauma for people to sing or to dance. Like people can't move their body, and and it's like it should be the most natural thing. But yeah, we're just so stuck in this culture of like we need to be great or perfect. We need to sing perfect. We need to look perfect and being graded and and all of this stuff. So yeah, just to create a space where it's like yeah, the basic message is just like you're okay, you know, <laughs> like you are not just you're okay, but one of the things that is such a paradox that's so powerful for people to learn is that when they show up with their vulnerability, when they show up with all the things that they think make them unlovable, that they, they keep so hidden, and this irony, like this human, this, this cosmic joke that the things that you keep hidden, hiding them is what prevents you from love and connection. And the moment that you actually show yourself with it, you're so lovable and connection happens. And so often in the experience that you had, I mean, Yeah, like I'm always really touched because so many people say, like I've had that before the ceremony starts, they're like, you know, I could go home now and it would already be worth it and transformative. Or like at the end of a retreat, people will be like, I thought I was coming for a psychedelic journey. I didn't realize that I would be getting all of this other stuff, you know. I'm really happy to do that work and I really in in the future want to, yeah, take take it even further, you know. like And, and I really believe... I really believe like psychedelics have so much to to offer, especially since, you know, you through your own journey, probably also just the person that you are. But I think also like the, the intense, deep work that you've done and what you've had to face has made you more up for it. Like, But for many people, because there's been so much fear and, and kind of conditioning to hold back, the psychedelics really help to open and to break down those defenses and to make them more willing to to show up and also to step a bit out of their comfort zone so but then it's really heartbreaking because society is still so much not like that it's definitely like a big journey to then come back home and you've discovered all these new things for yourself but your kind of life back home most of the time for most of the participants doesn't doesn't match that so then yeah then it's a long long journey to to integrate that and to create the life that you want to live when society is really mm. <laughs> trying to make you live a different way it was interesting um, I mentioned to a few colleagues at work that I was off to your retreat mm. um, just kind of testing the water uh, you know I, I very much thought they'd be open to it especially with all the new research coming mm. out and um, I was surprised I mean they were they are of an older generation but um, quite a few of them were quite concerned that I was heading to Amsterdam to, to take part in a psychedelic retreat. Um, even though I explained, you know, the background, I'd had mm. stage four cancer, I'd been through a lot, I felt like I needed some kind of deeper healing. Um, and their kind of question was, how do you screen? Because obviously psychedelics aren't for everybody. How do you keep it as safe as possible? And I know kind of in terms of toxicity, they say that, you know, plant medicine specifically psilocybin isn't toxic but yeah how do you kind of look after both kind of the physical health but also the mental health of people who are coming yeah so we um we've developed uh, quite a thorough screening protocol in conjunction with um some of the uh, psychiatrists uh, that are part of the clinical trials in in london there's a couple of things i mean there's certain kind of health factors like high blood pressure some some things that, that aren't this it's like on a case-to-case basis whether 
they they warrant exclusion or not but that like high blood pressure is an easy example where because psilocybin raises your blood pressure and and in some cases that can be okay in some cases not so but so there there's some sort of physical contraindications and then psychologically we have a kind of traffic light system where um there's some some participants especially if they you know do a good job of actually filling out the application form with enough information that we can we can assess that they they are kind of green light like very confident kind of good to go where there's no warning flags whatsoever um and then there's quite a lot of people who probably fall into like a yellow system where they they could be fine but we then have a follow up interview with them to explore a bit further and there can be a whole range of reasons for it but but basically obviously half the population is depressed or has some form of anxiety issues and many times that can be fine but there are some cases when when there's really severe trauma that hasn't been processed at all where there hasn't been any therapy around it or you know kind of different engagement with it where it's not even to say that psilocybin couldn't be helpful for them but the the setting in which we offer it, which is a group setting like you need to also take into account occasions when a facilitator has been with somebody basically like all all the time because they they just needed a bit of extra support and we we switch but but in general you need to show like that can't happen for everybody in a group because we don't have you know as many facilitators as participants so it's a combination of it's a safety towards protecting the group and also for the participant themselves and i also yeah i really do believe that there's so many desperate people i mean like god if you read some of the application forms that we get i get to see beneath the facade you know like we have people applying and and they might be even functioning in their jobs but underneath like they are really desperate and suffering many people are kind of hanging on to this as like the, the last the last hope the last chance but sometimes and this has also been my experience from having some people at the retreats where it's fine it's not like we've never had any you know like major disaster or anything like not at all like always been able to to really support and hold and sometimes there are more intense uh, intense like journeys that participants have but it's never been anything that hasn't been beneficial for the people even if it was intense at the time but nonetheless like i have met people where i felt like actually you would be able to get more out of the experience if you did more personal work first because it's so intense the psychedelic experience you can read a lot about letting go but understanding it intellectually in your mind is not at all the same thing as actually like integrating it in your system and being able to do it and and some people can really really resist um but yeah, and so in terms of the screening, sorry, I kind of <laughs> went a bit mm. off tangent there. Do you know, while, you, while you're on that subject, though, I'd yeah. love to just go a little bit deeper on it because I know I spoke to one of the other participants who had recently, well, six months prior, been part of one of the big research trials. Mm-hmm. Speaking to him, and he had said that his experience as part of the clinical trial, you know, I know you guys replicate it in some ways. You know, we had the beds, and we had the blindfolds, and we had the music that they play at the trials. But he just said the difference between the two experiences, you know, it was non, you couldn't compare it because, mm. you know, you warned us that we were going to feel the whole host of emotions. I didn't think I was going to cry. I honestly felt really good. Like you said, I'd done lots of work. I'd been doing breath work and yoga and meditating and, you know, for years prior mm. to coming. But then just as I really let go and, you know, I was sobbing so deeply, but I felt the hands of 
one or two facilitators just kind of holding me on my arm and holding me on my hip and just really giving me permission to cry mm. and it was so beautiful and at and, um, one point I think one of them had a feather I mean it might have been you but someone was wiping the tears off my face with a beautiful soft feather <laughs> and I was just so full of gratitude and love and felt so supported in that moment and speaking to the other participant about his experience um, obviously with you guys he had a really deep journey but he said at the trial he'd had to put his hand up if he wanted to be touched or have mm. support. And obviously when you're in the journey, mm. you almost need somebody to intuitively just be there for you because you've got so much going on, you know, on so many levels that the last thing you need to think about is then, you know, mm. I need to raise my hand and almost ask for support and love which potentially is the very reason you're there in the first place because maybe mm -hmm. you don't feel loved or you're not supported I, I think I just took away from the experience how important it is the kind of setting and the the environment that you've created and it's it's this perfect in my opinion perfect mixture of ever so slightly shamanic kind of very much in touch with nature aspect mm -hmm. but then you still have the psychotherapy if you feel like you're with professional experts as well so it's a really really great blend and I guess my concern is that when if and when it becomes legal in the UK mm. and the world to use these plant medicines to support patients I'm worried it's going to stay that clinical mm -hmm. and, and I think you lose you know we've been talking so much about the pre-work and the group work that you do and you know getting us all out in nature blindfolded touching the ground and that all led to, I think, the experience that we all had um, mm. because we have this need for control and clinical, you know, everything. I really hope when it does become legal and we're able to use it in the UK and around the world that they are able to draw in some of this magic because mm. I don't think the experience will be as deep or as healing without it. Yeah, I'm glad you, you touched on this. Like this, this comment you made about touch during the ceremony and when I think of, of, of psychotherapy and psychiatry, and there's such an emphasis on you know boundaries and the protection the safety of the of the client and for really good reason you know because you're in such a position of power so and they're so vulnerable and not to abuse that and, and you know you're it's, it's a really difficult line to tread especially when you regulate something because you, you kind of want to err on the side of safety with the regulation and that's a little bit also you know I mean in the states it's such a litigious culture but so so there is a sense in the, in the more professional context of therapy where like you know yeah even the fact that it's okay in the psychedelic therapy to use touch, it's already pretty radical because, you know, unconventional therapy, like that's not something that would be condoned or, or allowed. And at the same time, you lose out the power of touch. I can't count the number of times I've been in, in a ceremony where I could feel my ability to stay present with the participant and to touch them. And kind of made all the difference between them being able to go those, not just one layer, but like five layers deeper. Like sometimes you can feel somebody like standing at the threshold. And and you know that the participant that, that you're speaking about, it, it was that same thing. So sometimes it can be a case somebody can be, can be open to touch, 
they w would still not, you know, we we're in such a culture of like, I have to be okay on my own. So like asking for help is, of course, it's a good practice to do it, but it's still really, really hard and can be exceptionally hard when you're in that kind of psychedelic vulnerable state. And God knows where you might be traveling, you know, you might just not be capable because sometimes it's like we're upset and someone comes and gives us a hug and it's like, yeah, I'm here for you. But it's almost like, okay, I'm crying now, so they, they need to give me a hug. And, and that difference between like when I as a facilitator, it's like I'm with them and I stay there. I'm not mothering them, you know, I'm not petting them. I'm not like, hey, it's okay, everything's going to be fine. I'm not trying to diminish their pain. It's like just being present with it. And I've been able to feel when it's like the, the dam bursts and when that person is able to feel and they're being like, oh, wow, I'm really not alone. Like this person is staying with me and I can just let myself go. And then there's even the, the case of, of this person. I've experienced that also many times where it's like such a resistance to actually receiving that touch, even though they so desperately want it and need it. I also know so many contexts in which touch, in which it can go really wrong, you know, like, and, and you have to be really, really mindful and really present of how you do that, especially when someone's in a psychedelic state, because they're highly sensitive. So we have a lot of, in, in our, like, uh, when we train our facilitators, we have a lot of training and talking around how do you touch in like a helpful way and when do you not touch and and still it's always a it's always a learning journey but it's been so interesting to us like this has been really learning for me over the course of doing this and and I've had to kind of pass that learning on and the other facilitators have also learned that over the time that so often the participants that give you the feeling of they don't want to be touched and they're fine often it's them who the most need it and you have to kind of overcome your own conditioning of being like oh I don't want to intrude I don't want to interrupt I don't want to interfere on that journey and that's something that oh, has only come from experience for me of hearing them afterwards like hearing them in a sharing circle where like you know it's like me as a facilitator I can see I can sense that like whoa this person is holding up their defenses and like I just I just want to give them a space where they can let go but also like you're like whoa they they don't want me to come close and of course I don't want to you know violate their boundaries or do something they don't want to do but to learn to trust that deeper intuition I have it in my heart I've heard so many stories in the beginning when, when those people would would share of just like you know, how lonely they felt or how much they were struggling even though they didn't let it on or... And that can also be useful, you know, th then you can also work with that of when they see like, oh, why why did the other people get touch and why didn't I get touch? And then, you know, you can work with them of like, well, you know, is that familiar to in your life? And like you know, like sh showing, showing them kind of the mirror about it. But But my basic experience has really been that we're so deprived of touch, you know, like most of us have not been held enough as as babies and just in general in our life and if done in the right way like can really really help people to to let go in a deeper way and so like in terms of this regulation business and the, the legalization of it yeah like it's it's a real struggle because I also know you know like I know already now it's happening there's there's um people offering ceremonies in the Netherlands where um, there's controversial things happening also around boundaries and abuse of power it's happened in ayahuasca circles all over it's starting to happen with truffles and there's a real need for some some form of regulation, even if it's community regulation of, of guidelines, certification bodies, something like this. And at the same time, 
it's like so much of the magic and the power can be lost if you constrain the freedom of people who who really work with with a gift and with intuition and yeah it's a it's a very delicate dance mm. Yeah, no, that's definitely what I felt and that's what I took away with me. You know, in the future, whoever it is that's working with these medicines in a clinical setting is going to need to come and see you to be trained, I think, <laughs> because you can only take people as deep, as deeply as kind of you're healed yourself and as deeply as you're kind of intuitively aware of the magic of the medicine, I think. And that's why mm. I feel that it was such a profound experience for me because I now just have so much respect for the mushrooms the truffles mm. um but also yeah just seeing seeing how you guys work and seeing the the wider medicine beyond the, <laughs> the that happened you know just by being in group and being in ceremony mm. um it was just it was so beautiful and it was difficult I you know I don't want people to think listening that it was mm. you know I was high and I was having a great time because I really did feel the depths of my grief and mm. then I did feel bliss and it was a roller coaster and the music especially is it takes you on that journey doesn't it so you know it's a seven hour roller coaster but one that yeah it's just I mean there's there's been such subtle changes in how I am and how I'm showing mm. up you know sometimes I, I almost forget it happened you know I'll just be in nature or I will be just sitting with myself meditating and I can feel that there has been a shift in me mm. um yeah, it's hard to put into words, but it is really, really special. Oh, I'm happy to hear it. And like, again, we live in a culture that's so focused on one plus one equals two. And we need to be able to see like the, the linearity and we need to like materially see, okay, like what did it do for me? And um, that there's also, as I've evolved on this on this path and I'm continuing walk, walking on it and it's hard to say also because I, I do so many different things. You do so many different things. You know, it's it's not like I'm kept my life exactly the same and I'm only taking psychedelics. And actually that would be missing the whole point because the point of, of psychedelics is that ultimately they also help us make the changes we need to make or they, they have the power to anyway to help us do that. But yeah, it's like change is such a mysterious process and it happens on such a subtle level that on the one hand you can feel like oh nothing nothing's really changed and I've kind of just reverted back to same old and, and I also you know that's that's something that we really try and share with participants and kind of manage their expectations that that is also not happening as well I feel with the psychedelic movement because they're trying so hard to awaken people to its potential that it, you know it really has a potential to, to, to change you and to help you and da 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 so no one really likes to talk about the fact that Actually, for a lot of people, you have opening and in the experience and in the afterglow, the few days afterwards, you do feel different. And then also your old patterns really do kick back in. And it's not like it happens from one day to the next. Some people, some people have the experience where they really do experience some quite dramatic lasting shift. But I would say like the vast majority of people and myself included, it's, it's like you have to look at it as a journey. It's not a kind of one day I'm this and the next day I'm that changing the framing of it and psychedelics have this thing where ultimately they they show us ourselves they show us things about our life and Mira and it it's, has sent me on this journey of or supported me on this journey of deeper inquiry of deeper like a deeper engagement with life and the mystery of life and this process of change is a part of it like when you look at nature or something watch something grow you feel like nothing's happening nothing's happening nothing's happening all of a sudden boom the flowers open you know 
Yeah, so I, I really wish that there was a little bit more of that narrative around the process because you can when you have such an opening expansive experience and then you come back into your life it's like the heartbreak can be almost bigger afterwards you know when you realize oh oh, no nothing has changed and leads you to discredit the experience and and also for other people you know when they're like ah see you know like what has really changed in your life like blah 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 like you were so high and like one month later you know I remember after my first ayahuasca ceremony It was like, it was good experience, but it was also really tough. And I couldn't really make sense of it yet. Like ayahuasca, it really took me quite a while to to learn how to work with it. And uh, and I remember being like about six months later or something, someone asked me a question and it was something about my relating to men. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't really do that anymore. And then I was like tracing it back and I started to see that it all had started with that ayahuasca ceremony, even though that hadn't consciously been a feature of my trip. Like I hadn't thought about my relating to men, but it's like some deeper process around my relating to myself, being in touch with myself. Just like it had unlocked so many other things that slowly, slowly it just changed, you know, on subtle shifts of how how I meet life. And so, yeah, like it happens in so many mysterious ways. And also I think the most important thing is this like, yeah, I don't know, shows you different ways of being and, and sets you off on, on a path. So I um, think it's it's... Yeah. Just to touch on the idea of, you know, I, I know it was a big question that came up in our group after the ceremony and the kind of debrief day. Mm-hmm. But it was like, when can we do it next? Or <laughs> when should we do it next? And I've got to the point now where, you know, I don't even think I will ever need to do it again. I, mm-hmm. I think everyone's obviously very different. And I'll ne- never say never. Maybe I, Maybe I will in the future. But one of my parents' big worries was that I was going to go and become addicted <laughs> to psychedelics. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah, just in, my, in terms of kind of what I've experienced is I, because of these subtle changes, these ever so, ever so subtle changes, some days, you know, weeks, months, I don't feel like anything's changed at all. But like you said, you just notice the way you're speaking about something or the way you're putting yourself out into the world. It's just somehow change just a little bit and because it's just so subtle you almost feel like there's a little bit of magic with you Mm. just sometimes Mm -hmm. when it it kind of catches you unaware and then it's there I think that's why I finally understand what you said in the circle when (laughs) you might never need to do it again and it's because you know you'll get what you need out of it I didn't say that in a very concise way but yeah I was trying to say I'm not addicted to psychedelics so (laughs) (laughs) that's good yeah. yeah totally I mean I think like as we're able to get addicted to anything it's not like it's impossible but in and of itself it doesn't lend itself to addiction as easily because it's such a big experience and you know I don't know when people drink or take cocaine or whatever you know they can just be like oh, I won't do that again you know go back to that high whereas psychedelics is such a big journey that you know you're like Whew, okay that, that's gonna last like me for a while at least or forever and that's something that's something I really love about them also you know I've been working with them for for 10 years now and I've had phases when I've worked with them more and and phases less and like now it's been over six months and been totally fine you know like uh and even yeah like I, I in the last like year I've had I think two two journeys and I've had also phases when I've had loads more journeys you know and um, it comes and goes for different reasons but I really love the fact that it's there's such a peace and a rest in my being and and if somebody were to say to me like you could never have a psychedelic journey again 
Yeah, for sure. I'd be sad about it because it's, it's an amazing space that I love and that I always learn from. But I would also be totally fine. You know, like there would be no drama about it at all. Because equally, the journeys that I've had, I've learned so much that integrating those learnings can be like my whole lifetime, you know, so. You just said it, you just said it much better. I was trying to say exactly that. <laughs> yeah, you, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so mm. like this. Um, oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Honestly, I've just loved speaking to you. I think you're an angel in human form um just absolutely wonderful and the retreat would not have been the same without you and mm. your energy and just the love and support that you showed us all was just yeah incredible mm, so thank, thank you, you so much it was such a pleasure to have you there you're such a natural also <laughs> <laughs> uh, well I hope at some point I would love to cross paths with you in the kind of the more facilitating role because yeah like I said I just see with patients so much pain and suffering and the fact that there is this incredible plant medicine out there is exciting but like you said it needs to be you know there's a lot of hype so we'll see where it goes next but it is exciting Mm, yeah and and one thought that just came to me actually so my mind's hanging on to the the bit we just Mm -hmm. talked about before about this like doing it again and not needing to do it again like in so many ways I feel like they're just bringing us back to the basics and like the yeah the fundamentals of life that is so powerful because we've become so disconnected like what you're saying now about so much love or the sense of awe and wonder and I just feel like it just lifts the the veil of our conditioning and all the kind of like wrong orientations of what's important and how our society is constructed around so much just you know bullshit um (laughs) I don't know if I can say this in a podcast yeah you can Um, say it (laughs) okay um yeah and, and just learning to you know love yourself come back to love love with others love for nature and and the sense of just the utter like mystery and wonder of life and that's available to us at any given moment you know it's just like oh my god Mm, that's what I've definitely been I've been carrying the sense of love I'm pleased Mm. you mentioned that word again but there's just such a love within me for myself Mm. for my journey through everything I've been through um, I've softened I think mm. I've definitely been in survival mode for a long time mm. and um, just such a love for my life and the people in it and you know pe- people all around me I just yeah love it's definitely I think yeah, the crux so of it all <laughs> Stefana it's been such a joy you are incredible and I'm so pleased that you exist and that you have followed <laughs> your intuition and your heart and you're doing the work that you are meant to be doing thank you so much such a joy to speak to you (laughs) such a great way to start a monday morning (laughs) (laughs) have a lovely lovely week ahead Mm. i need to get out of this very hot booth in bali (laughs) but it's been a pleasure Just want to take a moment to invite you to join the Holistic Healing Inner Circle, an online group membership for self-healing, community and transformation. Doors open on the 15th of January and will be starting on the 29th of January. The Holistic Healing Inner Circle is a monthly membership that will provide you with the tools, knowledge, support and community to keep you moving forward, body, mind, heart and soul. 
each month we have monthly masterclasses, group calls, meditations, journaling prompts and a book club. There's also access to a private online community where you will be witnessed on your healing journey. If you're interested in joining us, please head on over to my website, drlaurenmacdonald.com and check it out. I really look forward to supporting your healing and transformation. Please remember that whilst I am a qualified medical doctor, I am not your medical doctor. So whilst we often talk about health and well-being and we give out tools and tips and sometimes discuss topics that are a little bit fringe or alternative, this is very much for information only. It is not individual medical advice. So please, if you have any health concerns, make sure you go and see your own practitioner.